There's really no secret about our approach. We keep moving forward. We're always exploring and experimenting. We call it Imagineering. Welcome back, everybody, to Your Creativity. We're on a Zoom call. Steve, how are you? I am doing well. How's how are it? you? I'm doing well. How's the shop? Uh, the shop is well. <laughs> I mean, relatively. Honestly, like with everything going on, I mean, what is well at these days? So, but we're here. We're we're eating chocolates. I'm happy. Got got, got your Dr. I, Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Excellent. But me and he, Steve are not here just to chat. We've we've got a guest, uh, a, a very special guest in my opinion. Um, he worked with uh, Disney Imagineering for twenty plus years, and he was the chief executive officer at. Uh, Evermore for a couple years. Uh, Josh Shipley, how are you? I, I'm pretty good. Let, let me let me do a quick uh, chief creative officer uh, at okay. Evermore Park. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the chief executive thing? officer. Josh, isn't that the same down, thing? Damn, I'm in a parking lot uh, because right in the, the 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 little window of time that we have today, I am uh, going to be picking up my daughter from one work location to help her get to a different location. So, I mean, we are squeezing this right into a window, which is why I'm literally sitting in the car. Josh, is she going to give you a three-star or four-star rating? Like, a... If she doesn't, I don't give her a ride next time. Do you have <laughs> bottled water for her? I mean, you should look at that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny you should say that because, I mean, every now and then she does need, you know, the, the transportation. And I thought maybe I should, like, clock the miles for Uber and Lyft. And uh, and then like just give her a discount. Just say, hey, if you need me, I'm cheaper than those services. You nice. could send her a bill like once a month. <laughs> <laughs> send her a little bill to collect on it. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> so for most of the time, I want to talk Disney. So let's just briefly Great. touch on Evermore. Um, just briefly, you know, share your experience there. Uh, well. It, would would your listeners know whatever more? I mean, I, I don't know what approach to take. Should I introduce oh, we, what that is? We actually interviewed even Corey Clausen like a year oh, awesome. or two ago. Um, and it was, I knew Corey from high school, but, you know, that gave us a good intro. And I think that was even before they had their opening day. Um, we did okay, the interview great. and kind of did a walkthrough of, of the, the headquarters there. Um, oh, really? But it was, what I liked about it is just the creative side is, is where you probably came in, which was yeah. a big part of what Corey was doing and all the team with all the costumes, all of like yeah. the background material, the furniture and everything. Yeah, Corey's uh, uh, main statue, the primary statue of uh, Archangel Michael uh, fighting Satan, you know, that's in the park now. That thing is amazing. Corey is amazing. So um, for, for me, uh, you know, I as I stated, I came in as the chief creative officer in 2017, uh, came in around uh, July, August, um, made the official full move to Utah in uh, October, actually, of 2017. And uh, my responsibilities coming in were uh, to to start gauging, you know, what the park would would you know become once it was open. Um, the CEO already had in mind what it would look like physically. And had done a lot of, or had uh, um, tinkered a lot um, hobby-wise with haunts in the past, 
Um, and so for, for his basis, he had his old European village and some experience in doing haunts uh, in, in his home in years past. Um, and then I came in and established um, story development, uh, created the entire uh, regime that would become, you know, what the, the actor, uh, actors are and, and would become. And uh, there was a lot of unknown territory. What we did know uh, with me coming on board is that it was going to be treated like a living stage, uh, living theatrical experience. And uh, the idea that, you know, my past history coming from Disney is you have a lot of structure. Um, deeper into my personal life, I have a theater background uh, in my entire life, uh, on stage and backstage. And uh, so the idea that there's a structure to your theatrical presentation, which is the typical form of entertainment at Evermore, uh, we wanted to go into the territory, which some others in themed entertainment have been doing and even in, in the theater world have been doing. Uh, and make it more of a improv nature, uh, experiential type of location. And we opened it, uh, in the fall of 2018. And immediately, you know, going into the, the Halloween season that year, uh, testing, trying things, uh, story elements, things that were working, things that weren't, costume things that were working, makeup things that were, you know, things, things like that, that, first Halloween season was a big was a big test um, and then we rolled into Christmas uh, and and put into some practices the lessons learned uh, with new with the new hindrance of uh, snow and weather and then I would say by the time we rolled around to uh, the summer season of 2019 with the mythos season uh, we were at our absolute peak with everybody on the creative team and on the acting and uh, for for that summer season, I mean, we really feel uh, as if that is when we were at our, our high point uh, stories and questing and, and uh, character engagements and audience uh, coming in as characters. And it just really was was uh, on the, the uphill climb at that point. Um, and then I made the choice myself to actually uh, leave in September of 2019. Um, and they have uh, a, a business plan and desire to go off in a direction that isn't necessarily aligned with uh, my profession and my background and and what I was bringing to the table. And so instead of me, you know, being there and being a hindrance to the new direction they wanted to try, for me it was it was more appropriate to say, okay, my my work here is finished and I I'm going to go elsewhere now. So that's that's the Evermore side of the world. And are you actually? Oh, sorry, don't. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, I don't know if anybody could have seen what was coming up with COVID or anything and right. the impact that that would have on Evermore, but even going yeah. to Disney and, you know, any amusement park. Um, of course. How do you, has that changed the way that things have been done in the past for the future or what do you? Well, I would say for the industry, absolutely. I mean, um, quite honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm still more aligned with the world of Disney and even you know, with how Universal treats things, I mean, that's still uh, more of the, the the professional track that I'm aligned with. And so I keep a beat on on everything that's been happening there. And and uh, it's been a rough week for both of those institutions. I mean, Disney is is having some some delays with getting some approvals on reopenings in California, uh, as well as you know, uh, Florida. Not just Florida, actually, with Universal, um, they've had some. 
some downsizing this week that has affected a lot of people in the industry. And all of that is due because of, of the, the pandemic state of the COVID-19 and things like that. And, and it is unexpected and everybody's done what they can to try and be reactionary. But this isn't anything that, you know, we're familiar with. Even if you go back to, you know, other historical type of pandemic situations, uh, the, the circumstances are different in the world. I mean, from a technological standpoint, point, the, the engineering and architecture and our, our human social, you know, behaviors, I mean, this is so new for every single one of us and watching how they all are having to be reactionary. And it's not pleasant. I mean, I think everybody's doing a Herculean job at, at, at figuring out how to take the next step. But along the way, I mean, we're all being beaten and battered and bruised by figuring that out. And I and I can just hope that uh, all of us, I mean, literally all of us are, are learning some lessons along the way because nobody is necessarily doing it right. We're figuring it out and we're figuring it out together. And for theme parks, that's really hard because theme parks are a very social environment. So, you know, this is new. Howard, do you think that they play a role in society? Like if it, or I mean, is there a value to like to keep trying in the future or like what I, role do you think theme parks have to yeah, us in society? Um, see, for me, I mean, you're asking me to, to answer something that I have a biased opinion on, uh, for sure. Yeah, I want to hear it. Um, I, I, for one, let me let me actually say, um, hey, I'm a gamer, and uh, I don't mind my alone time sitting in front of my PS4 <laughs> or whatnot, you know, um, because I, I find value in that as an entertainment piece. But I'm also that theater guy, like I said, and, and especially the kind of the entertainment that I've introduced over the years is experiential. I think it's very, very, very important for uh, human nature, uh, the human animal to actually be connected to one another. And digitally, I mean, the way we're doing this right now, I mean, I'm sitting in a car and you're in your shop, and you're, you know, it's like, uh, we're talking, that's amazing. Technology allows us to do it. But uh, I mean, we're not even picking up on normal social cues with one another. I mean, we can try, but we're not in the same room with each other. Um, it's probably and, good. I mean, I didn't really shower today, so it's probably okay. See, okay, then maybe for your benefit, that that's the direction we should be headed. Uh, no, but <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> but you, you know, if you even think of the 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 historical nature of theater in itself, I mean, going back, to, you know, to you know the dawn of time, you know, and I'm, I'm going back to my spaceship Earth type of uh, mentality of Epcot and things like that, but. But storytelling and and the way that that we connect as human beings, uh, I still truly believe we need one another. So even the idea of a social distancing—I mean, we joked a little bit about the masks and, and stuff—but but the idea of social distancing is removing the the need that we have as human beings for one another. So for the themed entertainment industry, I, I view it as as like a theatrical experience. I mean, we're going to have to find a way to adjust, realign, normalize, whatever it may be. Um, so that uh, we can function as as human beings once again. I think it is a core need for us, and it doesn't have to be a Disney theme park. Even though you know that's something that I I love and appreciate, I think uh, I think human beings are in need of each other and need of each other's feedback and entertainment and approvals and disapprovals. And I mean, you know, distancing each other is I think. Uh, is a, a painful and potentially harmful long-term thing. So yay on theme parks and yay on theater. And as <laughs> Steve, as somebody that was going to go 
down to Disney World in September. It, it's been been keeping me sane for most of the year. So when I found out we weren't going, it crushed me. So yes, they they are very important. Yeah. So that's what happened. I, well, no, I've been revisiting. I mean, you talk about you know planning a trip, looking forward, and I don't have something necessarily on my calendar uh, to anticipate uh, like that. I wish I did. So what I've been doing in in to divide that is I've been watching home videos, you know, Disney parks or other amusement parks or zoos or whatever. I've been watching my home videos just so that I can actually feel the little bit of euphoria of that entertainment from the past and, and looking forward to what, you know, someday we'll get to do again. Let, let's touch on that a little bit. Then videos of past stuff on Disney plus they yeah. have the Imagineering story. Um, yeah. Did you check that out? Were you involved? Were you in, in involved in any of the I, footage that was shown? I, I absolutely did watch it. Leslie did a phenomenal job on that. She'd been working on that for several years, which did encompass time when I was there. But none of the uh, the, the things that were covered, you know, necessarily had me directly, you know, in, in, in view or in camera. But we were always aware of the fact that Leslie, you know, was constantly working on this. And, and uh, uh, we weren't sure in which format it would eventually get its release. Disney Plus wasn't, you know, even a a thing that was being talked about at that time uh, when she started the, the document, uh, documentary process. Um, but it was really great to, to watch. I did, you know, I, I talked to many of my colleagues that are still there and, and we all intended to share a lot of the same, you know, emotions and opinions and, and, and things like that. But for me, it was, it was fun to be able to watch it uh, um, distanced. And the reason I say that is, is at that point it became more nostalgic. You know, I was watching things, uh, not thinking about, you know, where I was about to head into work the next day. I was watching it, you know, thinking about, oh, yeah, that project was awesome. And that was, was wonderful and fun. Um, for, for me, the timeline of how it kind of exists is uh, the, the first three episodes are, are, are kind of, they encompass what inspired me to want to be an Imagineer. Uh, you know, the Walt years and, and some of the stuff building up to that and, and what really drove me towards, uh, you know, career choices. And then the last three episodes were were more in line with the personal experiences. You know, at that point, I was watching projects uh, on TV that I had uh, been a part of or, or saw, you know, in the hallways and, and all of the people that, you know, are, were my colleagues and, and friends and things like that. What, what, what steps do you think you took to actually to to become an Imagineer? Um, like and and is there something that you can do every day or daily? to actually keep those creative juices going? Or are there certain steps that you take to do that? I mean, th th there are a lot of Imagineering books that now exist that talk about that kind of process, you know, and, and, and how to exercise that creativity and, and keep that kind of uh, uh, dream alive. And, and all of those are good from an instructional standpoint and an and inspirational standpoint. Uh, Marty uh, Sklar was, you know, involved with a lot of uh, those books and getting them out on shelf and, and consulting with uh, the Imagineers uh, in Glendale and all that kind of stuff and around the world, not just Glendale. But uh, for me personally, uh, I'll kind of go back to, you know, for, for me, the the steps taken were, you know, I, uh, much like so many people, I had a love for Disney and theme parks. Um, but the trajectory that I was on, I will say that 
I, I mean, really, I believe every Imagineer's story is unique and different. My trajectory was the theatrical background. My family owned and operated a live theater in Southern California. And so that was why I was on stage and backstage, you know, growing up so much because my family actually owned uh, that location, uh, a theater. And so that became more of my goal of understanding what I, what I now like to refer to as uh, theme park physics. It's actually just theatricality and production. It's, you know, understanding lighting and angles and audience perspective and uh, force perspectives and, you know, music cues and emotional uh, cues, and those kind of things. Uh, that comes for me personally from a, from a theatrical side. So the trajectory I was on uh, came from that upbringing. And then it was just, a, sorry, my air conditioning just cranked up if you're hearing that. Um, then uh, uh, as a kid, I always thought, well, you know, I'll just stay in the family business and I'll run the theater. And that's not what happened. My parents decided to sell the theater um, in my later teenage years. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So now I have to start thinking about you know, career work. And I was already enamored with uh, Disney. I mean, I was in Southern California going, you know, frequently uh, as a kid. Uh, so I was enamored with that. And thanks to the Disney Channel, I will say, I started to get an insight into the fact that there are designers, you know, called Imagineers. I mean, I don't, I can't really say the first time I had heard the term uh, thrown out there, but I do believe it was exposure through something on the Disney Channel at some point and I went oh hold on a second uh the the craft in which I have could probably be geared towards that but what are the steps uh even to this day there's no there are no you know um curriculums and schools that are established to go and become an Imagineer uh you can follow certain curriculum and specific schools uh to follow a career in animation and a lot of people do you know if that's uh where your heart and your passion is you can you can set up to go to cal arts or byu in the animation program and you can you can actually put yourself on a track to to pursue animation but there's not a track set up like that for imagineering and that's that's for a deeper longer conversation someday but uh uh so for me um the path was, well, I'm going to go work in the park. So I did. In 92, I worked at uh, Disney MGM Studios, which is the name of the time, on the great movie ride. And I was a tour guide and eventually a gangster. And uh, that was uh, uh, that was getting the ops side down. And I, mean, I wouldn't say that this is the, the plan I laid out for myself, but it is how the path led to Imagineering is, you know, getting the ops side down. You start to understand load unloads. You start to understand why cycle times are important. You start to understand guest satisfaction you know why are these people so upset when they walk into the pre-show queue for the great movie right um which i mean I'm, I'm telling you right now because that is something that would happen they would walk in and they're like this says great movie ride why are we coming in here and standing in, in, in a movie theater and you know th those kind of things you go oh okay so from a design perspective these people coming in are seeing one thing they thought it was going to be another thing we're having to spend a lot of the manual uh, um, verbal type of time to explain to them, no, if you just wait in here a little bit longer, there's a ride inside. All of that plays into, you know, what you're starting to think about is like, oh, if I were to do something someday, uh, I probably would think about a different way to stage this, or I would think of a different way. Part of that also, just so you guys know, I mean, that goes back to the theatrical director side. You know, my dad was a director, I directed, and you start to look at, you know, okay, how would I, how would I approach this? Not because of necessarily 
I don't like how it's done. It's how would I do this because these people need something uh, other than what they're getting. They're confused. They're not getting the right message. They're not getting the right story. So what's the solution here? How do I solve this problem? Um, that was that was my ops experience. And, you know, I'm just a kid showing up, clocking in, doing my job. I loved that job. Um, but eventually it was, okay, how am I going to get on the track to something more on a professional uh, state? I started interviewing actually with uh, Disney Feature Animation because a lot of my theatrical stuff aligned itself with uh, some of the jobs, even just as a PA type stuff at uh, animation. And uh, I had a lot of very good interviews actually with animation uh, uh, right up to, uh, to interviewing with, uh, at the time it was Tom Schumacher. He was VP of animation during that time frame. Uh, and so I was having these wonderful interviews and then uh, my brother, who is a scenic artist and had done scenic work for homes and Hollywood stuff, uh, he gives me a call because he had uh, picked, been picked up to do some scenic work at Imagineering, which I thought, oh, awesome. You know, my brother's there. That's, a, that's pretty cool. Uh, but he calls me up and he says, hey, we need some scenic help uh, for Animal Kingdom. Can you come in uh, as soon as tomorrow? And I'm like, well, I like the idea of being able to come into Imagineering that's cool. I said, but I'm not a scenic artist. And he said, he said, no, no, no. He goes, think of it like painting sets for dad backstage. He goes, you know, it's, it's, we'll be having you do some of that basic stuff. I said, oh, if that's what it's like, you know, he, he made it relatable for me. I'm like, if that's what it's like, I can totally do that. Um, and so I did, I showed up in my very first day and this is a lesson for everybody. And this is actually a point I wanted to make my very first day. I was fireproofing backdrops out in the sun in North Hollywood and loving it. Um, the reason why that's important is because my very first day at Imagineering, I was fireproofing backdrops. I was not developing blue sky concepts for new movies. I was not uh, directing animatronic figures and, and the animators behind that. Uh, I was not uh, uh, you know, co-creating comic books for Marvel. That's not day one. Day one is fireproofing a backdrop. You know, it's 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 willing to to pay your dues and do what you need to. And I mean, day two, I was fireproofing as well. But I mean, point is, you pay your dues, you do what you have to, you learn the processes. And eventually what became my fortuitous change of pace was the fact that uh, the scenic and show production division was just barely on the cusp of trying to figure out digital work. And right now, you know, the world lives in a digital age, but that wasn't a thing. And here I am, a kid who was tinkering around as a hobby with Photoshop 2 at home. And so I'm walking in and I'm seeing them trying to figure out better ways to handle uh, digital graphics and things for Countdown to Extinction slash Dinosaur and uh, 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 Club Disney, which was hot and active at the time in production all these kind of things. And I said, Oh, Hey, I use Photoshop. What you're doing makes sense to me. And they're like, well, I don't know what Photoshop is. And I went, Oh, so I brought in my copy and installed it just so that I could show here's some of the tricks you can do with, with Photoshop. And that opened up a new path for me to follow that I never even imagined in a million years I'd be a part of. And I ended up forming a, a, a division of show production called digital show production. Uh, which ran and operated for many, many, many years. And uh, I guess that's me saying, you know, that's my unique path. 
but I hope that anybody listening to this understands that that the, your journey, your path starts way before. For me, it's it's theater painting sets with my dad. Who knew that that would be the conversation that was needed for me to start working on Animal Kingdom at Imagineering? And 21 years later, you know, I'm I'm pitching to Bob Iger, you know, concepts and things like that. You you have to you know take your creativity and your skill set and hone it and then and then follow it and pursue it and I, i'm sorry guys i'm doing like all the talking here but uh that's good because i i'm a good <laughs> i like listening okay well i but i one of the things i like to tell students a lot is uh the importance of networking um understand that if you're going into themed entertainment design and it doesn't have to be imaginary you can be all kinds of facets networking is important if you want to use the hollywood term it's who you know and I don't mean that in a dishonest or smarmy kind of way. I mean, know, get to know people and be sincere about that. You know, actually have conversations, uh, go to conventions uh, or to book signings. Um, if you're genuinely interested, take the time to pursue it and then take what you're great at or what you think you love and could be great at and magnify it and become great at that even further do we need to help somebody here oh sorry yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> all right and um and you need to go okay. don't you josh it, it's about i time. i as i say i'm just at this point just waiting for my daughter she'll be the cue for us to uh okay. to have to wrap up <laughs> unless, unless this is a good point for you to well to we stop. have bonus questions but it, you know if they're tight we can maybe have you back another time um yeah, I, I was just thinking as you're talking, you know, the great movie ride and um, digital that what's in that space now is the Mickey and Minnie railroad thing, of which course, is yeah, right. the walls are all all digital. Ha, have you been there? Very much relying it? on. Uh, I have not been on it, but, you know, I'm I am aware of the project and, and the, my colleagues who have worked on that and, um, and the technology that's used. And I, I'm anxious to be able to go on it at some point. I'll uh, well. I don't know if I'll get on it there or at Disneyland first. I don't. Probably in Florida, I'm guessing. Uh, Gosh, I, I also I wanted to I to add on. Okay, it sounded like one huge attribute that you have is you were always able to adapt, and so yes. like you didn't have like just you had a set idea of what you thought the job would be, but you were right. willing to change and to adapt. Do you think that's yep. one thing that's very important for that? Career? Yes. Yes, I would say, I mean, that's important for anybody uh, in any regards, but especially in something that is creative. doesn't have to be imaginary. I would say anything that is creative, be willing to adapt. And uh, although it is a, a scripting term and it is a dark term, be willing to kill your babies, meaning when you feel near and dear to something in your creative process, be willing to let it go, uh, especially if you think, hey, but I... <laughs> Josh, <laughs> but I—that was a good point. Can you still hear me, Dylan? I can still hear you, Steve. Josh, we may have lost Josh. Well, we'll sit here for a minute and see if it comes back. <laughs> Sorry, sir.
Well, so I was going to add, Dylan, about adapting. And yeah. even this is probably a good uh, thing of being <laughs> able to adapt always. Always. <laughs> yeah, always adapting to the situation. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're there at the shop. You are doing, you know, takeout orders. So you're still able to make money and get people the chocolate that they they want. What's funny is, like, I don't think any of my days ever go as planned and and that i bet that was the same for josh or anybody like no day goes like the same it's always if you get so set on expectations of what the days should be you're yeah. going to be disappointed all the time because they never go as planned and just be willing to to go with the flow no yeah dylan ask me a bonus question okay steve what does creativity mean to you you that's a, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, I think that's life, man. I think being creative yeah. and trying to, to do things, that's totally life. Making everything work. Very creative. What about you? Uh, to me, well, as a graphic designer, I'm, I'm solving problems, and I have to do that creatively. You know, do the things I love, but do the things I need to do also. You know, finding that balance. Um, yeah. That's that's my short answer without really thinking too much about it. Um, so, what, you know, if if somebody were to to uh, make a movie of your life, who would play you? Sean Astin. Yeah. Yeah. Because why do you do you like Sean Astin? Well, Goonies, of course. And then um, in when he was on Stranger Things, the character reminded me of myself. And then. You know, who doesn't like Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings? Should I fess up that I've never watched Stranger Things yet? Oh, Josh is back. <laughs> Josh, welcome <Today>. back. <laughs> hey, sorry. It, you know what? My phone actually overheated. I thought I'd be the one that overheated. Yeah, you like froze um, up mid-sentence. <laughs> Josh, um, you, you led us into a great bridge of adapting, though. Okay, let, let, let's wrap up that, that thought. I don't know where, I, where you lost me. Let's wrap up that thought, and then I'll have to, to go until our next time. But, uh, but I was just saying that, you know, in any creative role whatsoever, you know, uh, being willing to adapt, being willing to let go of things that you think are so important. You know, you might think that, you know, just because mom said you were number one or your teacher said you were number one, that, that your work also must think you are number one. And uh, use a little bit of humility, again, any creative uh, job, and be willing to learn. Uh, my mentor uh, is a Disney legend, and uh, I still refer to him as my mentor. And several years ago, he said, stop calling me your mentor. You are ready to mentor people. And I said, no, you will be my mentor forever because I have things to learn from you. And be willing to, to, to do that. And and maybe that sounds like a no-brainer, but I've, I've worked alongside um, young talent before that wasn't willing to listen. And I don't mean to myself. I mean to Disney legends, you know, who, who want to say, you know what? I've already got what it takes. I don't need your input. Don't be like that, you know. Uh, if you have somebody who's, who's gone through the trenches, you know, be willing to pick up and, and, and learn those things from them. And then, as you put it, adapt. Um, a, a good example of that, if, if it's okay for us to wrap up on this, is uh, yeah. 
uh, the last project I was a part of that we that I that I actually saw through to opening um, before leaving Imagineering was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout for Disney California Adventure. And there's something that you have to adapt to right there. I mean, you've got Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, which is adored by by many, uh, myself included. And then all of a sudden, hey, we're going to be changing this to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, we knew, you know, working with Joe Rohde, we, we knew that the, the moment this was going to be announced, it was going to be controversial. But we also knew that what we had in store was going to be wonderful and fun and superior. And to, to be uh, you know, quite honest with you guys, the, in my personal opinion, uh, the Superior Tower of Terror is, is in Florida. Uh, from a ride system standpoint and storytelling and all of that so uh that one wasn't being affected by this and the changes we were going to make you know we were we were going to make to the one in california and you know uh i i was even one who in a meeting with the, the disneyland marketing team um before the announcements were made i i said i go is uh, uh twilight zone tower of terror lacking in popularity um, and I believe what they told me was, uh, uh, no, it's uh, the third most popular attraction in the park. And for me, I mean, you know, I'm scratching my head thinking, hold on, why would we, why would we take something that is that popular? You know, and, and to your point about adaptability it, it, or, or to what I was saying before, if you caught me say before it cut off was, you know, being willing to kill your babies type of scenario. Um, it's the, okay, just because this is what I absolutely love doesn't mean that somebody else at the table even on the corporate level and you know goes all the way to the top doesn't mean that what they're saying isn't right also and it's okay that it's different than what you're feeling and i could at that point quite honestly i could choose one of two things i could actually choose to fall on my sword and say no twilight zone tower of terror forever <laughs> or I could be the Marvel guy, which I was one of those at work who was and was a big advocate for Mar Marvel. And I could say, okay, let's make this the absolute best thing that we possibly can. And I'm happy with what the attraction is. I mean, I was only one person on a, on a, on a nice big creative team, but, uh, you know, not falling on my, my sword over Tower of Terror, I think, uh, allowed for a new flavor of something that's really fun and, and awesome for Disney California adventure. And like I said, if you want Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, you can still go on a pretty rad version in Florida, which I have and, and love to every time I'm there. If people want to follow you, how can they do it? Um, for the most part on any of the uh, social media networks, Shipley land like Disneyland S H I P L E Y L A N D. You'll find me out there. Well, thank you, Josh. We appreciate your time cool. squeezing us in, literally. And um, well, we'd love to have you back on again to expand on what we've uh, touched on. Yeah, hey, if there's a desire, just let me know and we'll schedule something. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks, All right, Josh. thanks, guys. Bye. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Dylan, it's been real. It's been fun. <laughs> it, it, well, do you know, I loved his message about adapting and, you know, not that every idea can be good and, you know, not to look, to fall on the sword over certain things, maybe be open to change. Exactly. And it's something everybody has to do right now. Since everything's changing, we don't know what's next. Are things going to get better, worse? 
you know, we've got to do our best to keep up and survive. I think our best is yet to come, Dylan. I, I agree. It's still a big unknown time right now, and it's it's scary, but also interesting. Well, go kick ass. Always. It, 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 I'll, I'll look for Sean Austin to play you. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> if he, uh, I think you'd do it. Who who would you want to play you? I, I think we've asked somebody's asked you this in a past interview. I have no clue. You know, I I love somebody like Warwick Davis. Um, I love I love his sarcasm and and his style of of comedy. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know who I would. He Into would he would be a good people. candidate though I think since he shares a lot of your sensibilities. Like I don't know if they have to be a little either, so who knows? No, they don't have to. Because that's not right, who I'm you are. Go, I'm gonna go eat chocolate. Okay, I'm gonna go be a parent or something. <laughs> <laughs> Grown up sucks. Yeah. All right, Steve. Dylan, thank you. Thanks as always, Steve. I'll see All you right. next time. All right. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>